You know, a lot of the adults I work with now, whether it's for, you know, teaching them psychic investigating, teaching them mediumship, teaching them psychic practice, um, much like a lot of them, there were experiences they had when they were younger that caused them to shut down. Um, and it's usually out of fear and it's, a, it's the unknown and no one could help you along to figure out what was going on. And so your natural, you know, response is going to be, I'm afraid of that. And then our natural response to fear is to withdraw. So if somebody owned a business that was repeatedly haunted, it was pretty easy to get into that building after hours. They would say, yeah, go ahead, have a look, here's the key. They tend to want to come into my body and I have to sort of keep them at bay a little bit. Connecting with spirit and being led by spirit, that, that is now part of my life, the same as breathing, yeah. Sometimes um, I'll just, I'll channel higher self to higher self. Other times I'll channel departed loved one. My entry is through my hands and it's, it always is through psychometry. Hello everybody, welcome to Haunting Live Podcast, and as you can see, we do have a guest here with us. We welcome to episode number 35, Lori Grace. How are you, Lori? I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining us here on this uh, sort of launch date of our Haunting Live Podcast, because we are streaming both on Facebook and on YouTube tonight. So it's a trial run, but uh, we did some testing and we hope everything works out great tonight with you here. So um, thanks for being able to be here on Haunting Live tonight. Well, thanks so so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to have you here. Uh, We definitely appreciate you taking your time out and joining us here on Haunting Live. So um, just gonna adjust a little lighting here. And um, yeah, great to have you here. Uh, how's, how's your weekend been so far this week? The weekend has been balls. <laughs> the weekend has been super casual. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, here too as well. We were quite busy uh, testing up our new uh, setup here in the studio. And I think we got everything tweaked out the way we like it. So everything seems to be running smoothly here. So we hope uh, we have a great show here tonight with you. Um, But first of all, thank you so much for taking time out for joining us here. So um, let's start at the beginning and talk a little bit about how you got into the psychic and tarot reading work. What drew you into that? Oh, a long once upon a time in a faraway land, Scarborough, Ontario. (laughs) Uh, When I was little, I, I had a really hard time differentiating between dream life and real life. Like, I remember recalling dreams to my mother. Well, she informed me that they had to be dreams because she was like, that never happened. We never visited Santa Claus underneath the parking lot with a big brass band, Lori. That never happened. Um, <laughs> I had the best imaginary friends. Um, and, and as I got a little bit older, I, I started to get knowings about when people were going to pass away and when people were pregnant which was fun at parties. <laughs> so that's kind of where it started. Uh, um, you know, dreaming, being this source of, there's more. 
there's more than just what we can touch, taste, feel, smell, right? Um, when I, I bought my own first deck of cards when I think I was, I think I was 20 um, and taught myself how to use them. So, so that started to sort of mesh in with dream work and searching, just searching in general. It's been a long time. <laughs> right, definitely. And um, did you have a lot of unusual dreams or something when you were younger that drew you into that area? Or was it more um, visions or something that kept happening that you were drawn into that? Um, it, there's, it's a bit of a twofold answer where I had had a few reoccurring dreams um, that I was curious about, but also my dreams would just be so vivid. There were people that I visited in my dream life that were very, very real, but were not present in my waking life. And that's how I started to um, describe it. Dream life, waking life. There were places that I would go over and over again. There were people I would see over and over again. And it was, it was curious. And, and I think that there was also an element of, I just, I need to explore this which then led into reading on conscious dreaming and, and lucid dreaming, like what the heck is happening? How is it that I know that I'm dreaming? How is it that I know that I'm out of my body, but I'm not, like I'm, I'm there on the bed, but I'm out of my body, right? So I think it was more the curiosity and just needing to find understanding. And I think something happened when I realized not everybody in my world did this. I thought that everybody could see their imaginary friends and everybody had knowings and everybody went crazy places, you know, wild, wild and imaginative places in their dreams. So that just led again to um, like studying it, practicing. Right. And we're going to dive into that topic a little more on the show here tonight, which is a topic called lucid dreaming. Um, I've always been curious about that growing up as well. I've always heard that name or that title passed around here and there saying lucid dreaming, but mm -hmm. I never really understood it or I never really understood what it was all about deeply. Like, mm -hmm. um, how do you start it? How do you get into it? And also ultimately, how do you control that? How do you control that lucid dreaming? Because that's one thing you're supposed to be able to do, correct, is um, control your dreams. Right. Well, Lucid dreaming is when you're aware inside your dream that you're dreaming. So sometimes you're not going to be able to control it, but you're aware that you're dreaming. And often what starts, ha what happens often is that you'll wake up the minute you realize you're dreaming at first until you kind of get practiced with it, you, you wake yourself up or you freak out a little bit. Like you have you, and that's out of body experience stuff sometimes can happen when you're aware that you're dreaming, but you can't wake up. <laughs> so uh, for me, lucid dreaming and conscious dreaming are like their siblings. So, so the conscious part is when we start to practice um, being conscious in your dream so that you can direct the flow of the dream, ask questions. So um, when, when I, when I started practicing consciously dreaming, um, 
I was, it was so funny because it was one winter when I had not two loonies to rub together. <laughs> so I had time to nap during the day. I was napping a lot during the day in order to work on it. I would write myself letters in my journal. I would leave notes underneath my pillow. Um, one thing that I, I feel like I remember reading was to focus on something that's really in the room. And is it, can you like, can you read the book? Can you dial a phone number to, to, to cue your subconscious to allow your consciousness in? Um, I'm trying to, it was such a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, another way of putting that is lucid dreaming, traveling in your dream. Is that another way of putting it? Is that traveling? Is that the same as lucid dreaming or is that something different? Again, it's a little bit different because when you are lucid in your dream, you can still be within a subconscious dream. And those are the ones where we're talking to woodland creatures and flying, right? So now that I've said that, uh, astral travel. So sometimes you, you, you're not lucid when you're ast astral traveling. You wake up from a dream and you're like, I just had a dream that I visited great aunt so-and-so and, -so and, and I touched a picture on the mantle but you weren't aware in the dream. So it's still a subconscious dream, but you did astral travel. Um, usually, with, usually with astral travel, we know that we're doing it because everything looks like it should usually. Like the bed's in place and I'm in this house and I, I recognize the surroundings. Although, whoops, although sometimes my perception of it is that sometimes when we're astral traveling, although I can be in my bedroom and everything's in the place where I left it, I can also see people that shouldn't be there or animals or energies, right? So, so it, we cut, you know, you kind of have the beautiful trifle layers of, of dreaming mixed in with it. So, so although we can we can travel when we're lucid it doesn't just because we're traveling doesn't mean we're lucid okay so traveling and lucid dreaming are basically different types of dreams then um which one is the one i guess i'm trying to ask is the one that you can control the dreams in is that i call that conscious dreaming because we're aware that we're dreaming while we're in it so so um and and lucid i mean lucid does mean i'm aware like 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 i'm awake within the dream um so where do, where do you want to go from here <laughs> i sort of interchange conscious and lucid to sort of back. together yeah they kind yeah. of work together yeah okay um so what are the other steps that you, I know you sort of teach that as well, and you kind of do classes on different types of dreaming and dreamworks. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you teach your students and your clients when they come to you about any dream questions? First, we have to suss out what kind of dream is it that they've had? Is it a visitation dream? Is it a subconscious dream where, you know, candy canes are talking and there's a river of mud, I don't know. Um, is it astral travel? Was it a precognitive dream? 
So what I'm what I'm usually doing is at first when when people want to work with me on on their particular dreams, it's I'll find like I usually have them describe their dream to me. Um, and then we tear it apart from there. So I'm 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 partially using, you know, the psychic stuff, but I'm also listening very closely to the words that they use, the emotions that they're sharing. Um, their descriptions. So anybody can, anybody really can um, help somebody to tear apart a dream to see what the heck was really going on. Um, I do, you know, I've got, I've got a bunch of, I did one class recently where I walked the students through how to do that. And then there's all kinds of other dreams. I feel like one of the biggest and most important tools that I had was to keep a dream journal and to and to keep that journal next to the bed even if it's not a formal beautiful journal it's just a crappy little notebook from the dollar store or post-it notes like anything so that when you wake up because you're not going to remember it if you've not practiced how to do it take down notes um, and that helps it's interesting because when you wake up, your brain state, um, you're, you're still half asleep. So, so you're sort of still in that dream state. So when you wake up and you start to write all your whole dreams down, it helps your mind practice that. And that can leak into being conscious while dreaming. <laughs> So in other words, I guess there can be some kind of, I guess, almost leftovers once you are coming out of your dream state. Um, you can still have those messages and images come through. And at that time, that's when you want to start writing in your journal so that you remember at least the basics of that dream. Yeah, I have totally because I've practiced this forever and I feel like dreaming is a bit of a hobby that I... <laughs> It's hard to explain to people. I've done that thing where I've woken up from a dream and decided like in, in the half asleep, I'm not done with that dream. Go back to sleep and go back into that dream. That same dream with the same people to like either fix things or suss more, more information out of it. And again, that comes with practice. Actually, yeah, I've had that quite often. Actually, I would be like sleeping throughout the night dreaming about a dream but then i'd wake up in the middle of the night at two or three o'clock in the morning go back to sleep again and either continue that same dream or yeah. have a very similar dream where it feels like it's continuing on so i've had that quite often yeah that's a skill i don't know i don't know what we do with it but <laughs> i feel like i feel like a lot of that stuff is to help us during our waking life and and some of it's just to help you know, figure out the stresses of the day, just work it out. But some really magical stuff has come from dreams. And I think that's incredible. That's really, it's rare. It's a rare thing that you're able to do that. Not only remember and recall, but get back into it. Well, I guess that's another question too, then. After you have a dream, it is hard sometimes to recall what's happened when you wake up. So mm -hmm. um, do you have any techniques or anything that you give to your clients for them to maybe meditate and be able to remember dreams easier? Um, uh, the first thing really is practice. 
uh, a, a big thing that is um, was really helpful to me when I was younger is I shared a room with my sister and I would wake up and tell her. So the act of making the words sort of again blends your like sleeping state mind with your your conscious mind and it hears you saying the words so we all carry around a phone and almost almost all of us even though we're not supposed to sleep with it next to the bed there's a voice recorder function <laughs> if you can not wake up enough like just wake up just enough to use that voice memo function to talk to yourself to just recall the dream and then this happened and then we went there and I felt that and I knew this to be true like whatever whatever the dream story was to tell yourself the story um and my favorite thing to do once I've recorded it whether I've written it out or recorded it vocally is to leave it for a little bit I'm still going to try to process emotion does this emotion belong to my waking life is this what I actually felt in the dream or I'm just freaked out now that I've woken up, have a tea or a coffee or whatever, and then go back to that recording later to listen to it and go, you know, what words did I use over and over again? And, and you know, were there people that I recognized in it? Were, were there places that I recognized or was it, was it right out of a, you know, sci-fi <laughs> special? Right. I think that that practice in saying the words out loud helps you to to do it over and over and helps it become natural. Right. And do you have any tips for people that, well, your clients as well, that come to you for those types of messages that um, can distinguish between a dream that has reality or a dream that is based in fiction, I guess, like that's not real? It's... <sighs> I really feel like it's about like, like knowing that is, is about getting to know your dream world and getting to know how you dream. Um, I had a, once upon a time, I had a precognitive dream that didn't really, it had elements of real life, but, and it still left me with the feeling of warning. So, so the dream was at the time my son was wee little and he was in, um, it was in daycare. So the dream was that I was in a truck that wasn't mine. I didn't have a vehicle with my son and we were racing down the road and the sun caught my eye and the truck flipped and I woke up like that. And so now I have this sense of warning. Um, I didn't recognize the road. I didn't recognize the truck, but there were elements in it. And, and it was just to pay attention. Don't be afraid, but pay attention. So. I held his hand on the way walking to preschool that morning, which I normally didn't do. Um, and when we, we got to a certain stoplight, which crossed a main road in our town, something just cued me. There was, I had a flash of light, there were cars moving and we had the green and I said, just hang on a minute, buddy. And he tried to go, but I had had his hand and a car went racing through the red. So for me, that was, you know, I woke up, I thought about the dream, I thought about the elements, I, I stayed aware, even though I'm like, I don't drive a truck. And I, we're not, you know, I don't know where we're going. That felt like precognitive. So I feel like that's just to say, 
um, to pay attention to how you feel within the dream. So if, if within the dream, I had felt calm and like everything was going to be okay, but then I woke up totally freaked out, I'd have to do that thing where I go, is this just my fear body trying to give me some fun anxiety, <laughs> right? So, so I, I tore apart the dream as much as I could and sort of gave my little heads up to the universe. I will pay attention today. So I really think it's about to kind of come right back around to your actual question. This is how I roll sometimes. <laughs> um, I, I think it's about getting practice. If I'm having a reoccurring dream and the same thing happens, but it's in a, a real room that I know with a real person, I like, but nothing ever changes. That's a, that feels like a subconscious dream that I have something to work out probably. Um, if it's a dream where I go to the same room and talk to someone who's passed over, but they have different things to tell me based on what's going on in my waking life, that's probably a visitation. Um, uh, if I'm having a dream where there are elements of things that happen during the day, that could just be a subconscious dream that I'm blowing off some steam. Oh, there's that stress of the day. There was that crazy thing that happened. There was that horrible thing, you know, uh, an uncomfortable thing, or there's a bit of joyous thing, balloons everywhere. And I'm going to go fly for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So different, um, feelings can play a role in the dreams and how you perceive that dream afterwards. So you just recommend to people then that have these types of dreams often to pay attention, as you say, practice or pay attention to um, the elements within that dream, not only the elements, but also the way that you feel after the dream can play into how that dream plays out. Yeah, I, I think it's important to pay attention to how I'm feeling within the dream. Am I happy and it feels good, but then I wake up and I feel a little bit shameful? Well, I have to consider that the shame belongs here and my subconscious is trying to maybe soothe me or, you know, it's okay. It's okay over here in dream life. <laughs> um, so I, I really, again, it's, am I blowing off steam? If I, if I have a dream that I feel like is a visitation dream and it leaves me feeling really peaceful, that most likely is a, a visitation dream. But if I have a dream that is like a reoccurring dream with someone who's passed away and it's scary and horrible and I wake up panicked, that's probably a dream that I have to work something out for myself. So I'm now going to look at what is this human being representational of rather than it was grandma. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, there's a difference between the elements that you see in your dream and with practice, like you say, you can get to know what those mean. So right. I'm going to know if it feels like grandma. Yeah. But if grandma comes at me with like teeth and Freddy Krueger hands, I'm going to go, OK, so what does grandma normally represent? Grandma represents, uh, you know, uh, feminism and da, da 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 whatever grandma represents to me why am i feeling threatened by those elements rather than grandma trying to take me out <laughs> yeah and speaking of i guess i'll ask you that question next have you ever had any type of uh visitation type dreams where you recognize oh, yeah. somebody all the time so because i i see stuff what, let me let me 
when I was younger, I would physically see stuff. Um, and at one point I was single parenting and uh, would see stuff in the house after the kids were in bed and it would scare the crap out of me. And I asked guides universe, I can't see it like that anymore. If you want me to do something with this, you have to, you have to bring those messages some other way because it's scaring the crap out of me. I would, I would regularly see in my early to mid twenties, creeping into almost thirties before people would pass away, I would see their shades. I think that's what you call them. Um, or your, or their aura. Well, it was just their shadow. I would, and, but I would know who it was. And three days later they would pass away and that, but it scared the crap out of me. Like I'm, I'm single parenting a house full of kids. I can't, I can't. And then I can't sleep because my adrenaline's running. So I used to see things. I asked the powers that be, look, we can't do it that way anymore. Different. Let's do this differently. And so it started to, it would happen um, sometimes in dreams, but only who I would allow in, because that was another thing that I, you know, these are my boundaries and this is my home and I can't have, I don't invite stranger people in my waking life in. So stranger spirits also can't come in unless it's, it, it's going to save me from something that I can be saved from. Right. Like those are the rules. I'm a big fan of making my own rules. <laughs> no, I hear you on that. We often tell our clients that on the paranormal investigation side of things. So when we go into an investigation, we sometimes have to tell people that as well as a client say, this is your space. This is your home. You yeah. lay down the rules, treat it like yeah. a child. It may sound weird to you, but sometimes that's what you have to do even with spirits. So. Absolutely. I totally once we're going to go squirrel a little bit, I had a client at one point that was having trouble with something in the house. And I, and, and I had to go back again and again. And, and I said, you keep inviting it in or, you know, you created this. It wasn't an external thing. You've, you've created it and invited it in and I keep excusing it. <laughs> and then you're like, let's talk about that some more. And, and you're creating the energy. So um, so when it comes to dreams, before I kind of made those hard and fast rules, I would have visitors and it would, it would be in that place where you're kind of like half awake and half asleep. And there's somebody standing at the end of the bed and you have to decide, are they really there? That happened a lot when I was a child. Um, when I was a kid, it didn't so much scare me though. I was more curious from underneath the covers. <laughs> Yeah, you're hiding under the cover still. Those <laughs> watching, but like, watching curiously. What is that cat that, or what is that witch, or what is that shadow? And they never, they don't go anywhere and don't move, and they're floating way too high to meet somebody. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, still under the covers. So yeah. when I when I dream in terms of dream visitation, now in my life because I do psychic medium work and that only started about 10 years ago in my 26 ish years of doing this kind of work. Now that I consciously do medium work, I almost never dream about my people, my ancestors, you know, people who might visit me. It mostly happens when I'm awake. <laughs> I was going to say that's something it's because you're focusing on another area of your life now, or is it because you're not focused on them directly anymore? 
Um, I think that it doesn't happen in my dreams because when I, I, I meditate before bed and I think that I set goals before bed, like I wake up exhausted most days. <laughs> I wake up needing second sleep usually. So I think because I've sort of set the stage that this is the language that I'm going to speak to my people, my ancestors, clients, people, there are rules when I am going to invite somebody in. Um, I think that's why it doesn't often happen when I'm dreaming. I don't get, you know, grandma showing up in my dream saying, I have something to tell you. Something will happen during the day or I'll, I'll, I'll have that knowing. Oh, that's grandma energy all over that. But I'm awakened in the dollar store. <laughs> That's not a good spot to start seeing spirits at the dollar store when you're shopping. <laughs> I think I've trained most of the people who know me and most of the places I go to most, like they know me. They, they'll call me the little witch usually before they'll call me Lori. Are you the witch? <laughs> yeah, that's me. Actually, let's uh, go with that next uh, for the next topic. Um, you are called the little witch and that is on your Facebook and your website as well. So um, how did you go about getting that title for yourself? Uh, it's another grandma story. <laughs> First of all, I'm five foot nothing. And the doctors told my mom I would never get this tall. So <laughs> little. Uh, and my 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 other grandma, she was a bit of a rock and roll. She was rock and roll grandma. And so I never wanted to go outside to play with the kids. I was the one who wanted to stay inside and read the books. And honest to God, she started, she go outside, you little witch. Because and also I would cackle like my laugh was ridiculous. It's so honestly that's where it came from. My grandmother would call me. You have to eat that, you little witch. Get go get in the shower, you little witch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so was your grandmother a big influence then? Because you have a lot of stories about her, and she led you to kind of the path you're on now. Was she a big influence to you growing no. up? No. So my one, the one, my, my maternal grandmother passed away when I was six. And this grandmother is like a step grandmother, but she, she sort of stepped in for this grandma and she passed away not that long ago, maybe, maybe six or eight years ago. Time is really hard for me. Um, what's very, very interesting is that my path was very solitary and I, I didn't have any I had more stuff maybe from my dad's side, like, and my step mom had some stuff going on that was energetic in nature, but she never, ever would have called herself a witch ever, but she was the first person I saw read cards. <laughs> um, so, so growing up, I felt like there was more stuff attached to my dad's side and then as I got, it was funny. So, and, and my dad, I didn't really live with him like very long. And so it wasn't until I was out of the closet in this town, I live in a kind of a small town, uh, pretty loud. I think I was out, out, out for like maybe 10 years before my mom started telling me, oh, I dream too. Oh, I had a couple of aunts who used to read fortunes. Oh, I, and I'm like, where was all this information? <laughs> Like, I'm sure you could have used that uh, a few years back when you were having right? your first experiences, right? So, so. What's, what's fun is that my daughters, um, 
never ever did I try to put any of this on them, but they've sort of lived with like Yule logs at Christmas and mom talking about spirit guides. And, and, and we all, you know, we'd get up in the morning and we would all tell each other our dreams across the kitchen table. So that was very normal in my house. So what's so interesting is that they can just come to me with this stuff. So I spent, you know, there was some time where there was a lot of vacation Bible school and Sunday morning Bible school. And I, I recall very, very distinctly somebody, whether it was a priest or it was a Bible school teacher, saying that only the church could talk to God. I was having conversations with God like all the time. That's how I processed it. I, I talked to him directly all the time. And I, I can't let anybody know that this is happening. So there was like no guidance um, from anywhere. And I like, there was like a little metaphysical shop in town and I went and I bought my cards. And I think that right around the time that I was starting to do that, um, John Edwards was on the TV and Sylvia Brown was on the TV. And that was like, I didn't have the internet. That was my whole world of resources and, and, and what was going on in my own dream time understanding about things. So there was, there was no, like some people will say, well, I come from a long line of witches right from Scotland. And I'm like, I have no idea. It just, I just knew that my dream life was so important and so real that I needed to embrace it as part of everything that I was in waking life. And how has um, your development now from before, now that you deal directly with clients and you have people coming to you for readings on a daily basis, pretty much, um, not in person probably these days, but at least on online, um, how has that changed for you now compared to when you first started doing it are you more developed now in the way you do it do you, oh, do you yeah. handle it differently or um when when i first started doing readings i had a little shop it was like a secondhand groovy clothing shop and i i would have people come in and and i of course eventually started bringing in tarot cards and metaphysical books and so people would ask I think at that time, I may have even been already wearing a pentacle. And so I would do, I would do like half hour readings for $5. I'd be like, I'm really not sure. Uh, and, and sort of when I had that shop, I, I had the internet. I think that's when the internet started coming into my life. And I was selling stuff on eBay from the little shop. And I got on a networking site and some of these ladies were talking about working on tarot on the telephone. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I want some of that. Um, so, I mean, it looks completely different because when I first started, it was like sort of these little clandestine readings in my shop in town and late, late at night on the Miss Cleo telephone line. <laughs> Right. Um, that's one thing that I have down here on the notes that you sent me for your history and uh, bio, that you did get your start over on the Miss Cleo site. So um, I guess, how was that experience for you? How did you find it? It was a learning experience for sure. Um, you're dealing, you know, I ended up 
realizing very quickly that I needed to know more than just tarot. I needed to know how to listen and how to guide people, how to, when is it time to give them the 800 number because they need care that I can't, I am not a guidance counselor or at that time I didn't feel like it. I'm like, I am not, we didn't have the word coach back then, but I was like, I'm just reading the cards. I'm just, and you're really upset and I don't know how to bring you healing. That sort of led me into Reiki also. So just because I'm like the clients that sit or the clients that were on the phone right in your ear, um, they want more than just what the cards are trying to guide them to. They need some healing. They need some clarity. They need a little bit of hope. So um, uh, working the Miss Cleo lines was, um, oh my gosh, it was so many things in terms of what, where my life went. Um, To be able to do it professionally, to get paid to do it, like get paid some real money to do it. Um, And also just understanding that this is about connection this is about connection so much more than it is about all the questions that people normally ask. Right. Um, and back then too, though, when that kind of first came out, the tarot readings, I think people were kind of unsure what that was and what that entailed in full detail. So how would they, how would you explain people at that time when you were doing readings over the phone to people, what the cards were saying to them? Like, how would you explain the reading to them? I think that I, and I sort of still do this as a habit, is that I would, and it's so much harder. I I love being able to do it on video now because it's a little bit harder to say, I can tell you all that I want. Oh, this good thing is coming and this family thing is coming. But what I started to do by habit was describe to them the card a little bit. Well, this is the 10 of pentacles. Like I'm not just pulling out family happiness and satisfaction. You know, I'm not just pulling out abundance because I think that's what you want to hear. I have the 10 of pentacles on the deck right now. And this is what the 10 of pentacles means. So I kind of would pull a little bit of that into it. So, um, they would have a sort of a broader understanding of where I'm coming from. And I'm not, you know, I, I know that they, you know, there were people and, and there are people like this anywhere. There are readers who were there for the money and they would have their phone line on all the time. And they would pick up that phone in the middle of sleep and just tell you what you wanted to hear. I was the reader who had the candle going and the incense going and the cards out and I had done my circle beforehand and I was like with it. All I did was sit at that table and shuffle cards and wait for the phone to ring. (laughs) So I think, you know, and some people would call and it still happens on the phone lines. Some people would call and they're just using like the first three free minutes. And I still feel compelled to like, I still want to give you a good read. So I'm going to talk like 70,000 miles an hour. (laughs) Um, Right. And and that's the thing too. Like people would have to, at that time, you would have to charge them for the reading, obviously, but you would offer them, like you just said, a free reading for three minutes. So would they 
tend to take advantage of that a lot of the times and not continue on with the full reading or yeah. do you, would you have to like push them to say okay well you do have x amount of minutes left or whatever so when you are reading for one of those other phone lines you've got your phone against the ear and the phone line will whisper to you one minute remaining or three minutes remaining and so as the reader i know how how much money they've loaded up usually um or how how much longer they've got and you kind of sometimes they would add money so they're using those and those free minutes usually come from the main site so i it's been so long i feel like i got paid like you get paid some nominal amount for those free minutes and then your regular rate when they paid real money and then if you did so many minutes in a night or you like there were ways to earn bonuses and it was so complicated <laughs> and i would just i really didn't pay attention much to you know the thing that i wasn't crazy about with that phone line and why i ended up like finding my own phone line was that they wanted you to keep people on, you had to have a call average of 20 minutes. So every time you had somebody call with that three minute, now I've got to do a 40 minute call. So my average is, is so long because if you didn't keep your average, they put you down the list. And so when people would call in, they fill up those lists. And if somebody hangs up, it moves like they might never get to you. So my call average was really, really good, but not because I ever try to, you know, keep people on longer. I just happened to get the calls where people want to hang out and talk with me for an hour. And I'm like, I'm happy to, if that, if you're happy to talk with me for an hour, I'll do it, but you don't have to. <laughs> so, right. so it was a total different beast. Like the working on the phone lines per minute, just it, I found it really stressful. It taught me a lot of things. It was like diving in hard to learning my cards, and and um, it it uh, inspired me to learn my cards better. Um, and a lot of that I did in dream work. I would take a card to bed every night. Well, that works too. You can work on both at the same time that way. Right. Um, <laughs> would they also then? Um... Would you give the clients on the phone, say they wanted to continue on past a certain time, they wanted the full reading sort of thing. Um, would you use different types of spreads for your cards or did you learn how to do the cards differently for different people? Yeah, so there was a couple at that time when I first started reading, I think that my favorite go-to is something called a horseshoe spread. So it's a seven card spread and I would use the three card spread. I would use that three card spread for just about anything, not just past, present, future, but like, yes, maybe no, or all, any anything that they were asking me about. Sometimes I would just pull one card for a really quick read. My favorite spread right now, and it developed, I developed my own Celtic cross. So, so I changed up a couple of things because I found with the traditional Celtic cross that I learned from, I can't remember where, it had cards that the message is just repeated. I have two cards for the future. And 
so I started, I have one card that I read as the spirit guide card now. I have a card that I read instead of worries, I read it as earworm, like the earworm thought that gets in your head. And so because I put those, like because I've told the universe, this is what that position represents, that's the message I get now. So um, every now and again, I'll do a year wheel spread. So that's one card per month. And I'll also I developed a, um, I'll do a, like I call it month to month, but I'll, I'll pull four cards per week in the month. So, you know, look out in the third week of August for such and such a thing to happen. Great. Sounds interesting. So over time you were able to sort of develop and feel through your own cards and spreads. Um, Absolutely. And for those of those are watching and may not understand what the spread is, a yes. spread is just how the reader lays out the cards when they do a reading. So it's their, like the layout of the cards on the table. So each card or each position on the table will represent a different thing. So some t with, with my horseshoe spread, it's past, present, future. Uh, if I do this, then I get this environment and earworm. So each card kind of tells the story of this happened in the past. This card happened will happen in the future. So fun with spreads. <laughs> right. And um, speaking of the spreads and your clients and doing readings with the tarot decks, um, have you been pretty busy lately with clients during COVID? Have you had a lot going on uh, last couple of weeks? Um, so in, in March, like in mid March to mid April, I completely cocooned. I, I was like, it's, it was all too much for me. And I went radio silent and then something started sparking and I, uh, I started, my readings were busier than ever. I, and I'm doing them all over zoom. Occasionally I'll do them on the phone. If somebody doesn't have very good internet um and i offer email readings for people just to, i mean i want to i want to be able to read for people and if my half hour is too dear like it's too expensive for them i want to say hey here's some email reading options that are a little bit cheaper so that we can still connect so i was really really busy and then over the summer i started teaching students how to read cards basically using everything that I've taught myself, giving them the fast forward so it doesn't take them 20 years to <laughs> learn. Um, October was ridiculously busy. It was like I did no dishes in October. There was no house cleaning in October. I went into the office from nine to nine. Um, and then in November, I did nothing. <laughs> I I, I didn't feel burnt out. I just was like, man, somebody's got to clean this floor. And I think it's me. So, and now we're sort of, I can feel it again. The energy is changing. And so it's been a little bit more busier. Interestingly enough, it'll ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm doing medium reads nonstop. And then it, that gets quiet and I'll be doing tarot readings like crazy. And then that'll get quiet. And suddenly I've got all kinds of clients who need dreams interpreted. So I find like it's really cyclical. And right now what's happening is um, this week, it's been a couple of medium readings. I taught the dream, a dream work class. 
Um, and so that's kind of been my focus. So when you said today that you wanted to talk about dreams, I was like, of course he wants to talk about dreams. It's dream week in my world. And my dreams have been, I've had the hardest time getting out of bed because they're so intriguing. Like so much fun stuff is happening that usually I'm, usually I'm in bed by now. Usually I'm in bed around 7, 8 o'clock and I do my, I'll read and I'll do some meditation. And then usually I'm out of bed by 6, 6.30 in the morning. But lately it's been like 9.30 because I'm going in for that second round of dreams. I'm like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> yeah, there must be some more messages for you or something if you're going back yeah. to bed. So, yeah. So, so right now it's, um, I've sold a lot of gift certificates for Zoom reading. So I suspect that January is probably going to be an awful lot of that. like doing the actual reads for what has been sold in the last week week and a half how how do um so you do offer gift certificates and uh, special packages for your clients uh how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to get a gift for christmas or a gift certificate for somebody that wants the reading so how do they go about that uh so if for those people who are on facebook i'm on facebook every day because I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> except maybe the dollar store every now and again, even that I'm probably going to be like, no, I'm done. So uh, on Facebook, you can find me. It's Lori, L-O-R-I, Grace Reads Tarot, or, and I think there's like a dash, The Little Witch. Um, thelittlewitch.com is my website. And Lori, L-O-R-I, at thelittlewitch.com is my email. So those things are running almost all day <laughs> in, in my world one way or another. So even if it's I'm heading out for a walk or I got to get groceries, I'm going to be back on the computer in another two hours. So, um, yeah, there's there's and, and everybody I'm kind of doing it one on one. I didn't want to do it through a big like payment processor just because I was finding it. I'm like, how do I track this? <laughs> so I had to set up a tracking system that involves basically me touching base with each and every person, which is kind of how I like it. It's all about connection to give them their certificate number and let them know how to book that reading for the certificates so they can pass that on. Um, Okay, yeah, and we do the same I thing usually, here too. So we do the same yeah. with our clients and our guests that we have on here on Haunted Life Podcast. So we always make sure, you know, beforehand to give a little email reminder to the guest that they're on this week and connect and everything yes. as well. So, uh, yeah. but with that, thank you so much, Lori. Um, we know Pleasure. you are busy. So we want to thank you for taking time out and being here with us here tonight on Haunted Live. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You're really interesting. I think you have a lot of great background history that you've done, um, all the way back to working with the Miss Cleo days on the phone doing tarot readings, and you're still doing that today, so that's great. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, have a great weekend, and uh, look forward to having you back anytime here on Haunted Live. Thank you so much. Let's stay connected. Yeah, we will. Uh, we're on Facebook as well, social media. 
And um, you guys can find our podcast also anywhere on social media. We keep them up on Facebook after the show. Um, also, we have our YouTube channel. You guys can watch us live on YouTube now. We're streaming right now on YouTube. So it's our very first uh, official live stream on YouTube for the show um, at the same time as Facebook. So that is a big step for us as well. We also... Um, have our podcast providers so we export our show onto the spotify itunes as well as google and other podcasts so you can actually just listen to the show at any time that you want to as well so um so with that thank you laurie again so much and uh we'll have you back on someday as well so awesome thank you thanks Great. everybody in the background working so hard to make it work <laughs> thanks again okay. bye-bye bye-bye And that was Lori Grace, everybody. Uh, she's a psychic and a terror reader. Uh, we thought she had a lot of great history there. She got her start in the early 90s uh, doing the Miss Cleo phone lines. So we thought that was really interesting to find out how that worked back in the day. And she told us what she did back then and also how she deals with her clients nowadays. So from all the way to the 90s to 2020. So... Um, she's still doing it and that's wonderful. That's what you're supposed to do in life. You're supposed to do what you want to do in life and continue that path. So uh, thank her again so much, Lori, for coming on to Haunted Eye Podcast here tonight. And everybody that's joining us here, we are broadcasting live on simultaneously on Facebook as well as our YouTube channel for the first time tonight. And I think we had a wonderful experience and I hope you guys did too here at Haunting Live. Um, we just want to go over a couple of things at the end of the show here tonight, guys, to do a recap uh, what we normally talk about after the guest is on, as we normally do. And uh, the first thing is our big live event coming up for next year. Uh, we just recently had a event in November at the Queen's Inn Hotel in Stratford. Now we're doing our second event there for a live in-person event. And yes, you guys can join us there in person if you want to meet us or hang out and come for the whole weekend and stay with us. And it's going to be a two-night event, the same as this year. And it's going to be held in April next year, 2021. So um, tickets for that event will be posted shortly. Uh, I believe the start date is January the 2nd. They'll be available on our website, hauntinglivepodcast.com, under events. And you'll be able to buy tickets right there. Um, or you can contact the Queen's Inn Hotel directly in Stratford, Ontario. And uh, they'll help you out as well if you talk to Sally there. Ask for Sally. She'll help you out. Otherwise, um, usual stuff, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook page is Haunting Live Podcast under OGPS Filming. And we also have um, a Facebook group now that we're getting some great traction on. Uh, a lot of people seem interested in joining the group. And um, you can get different types of information there, stuff that we do, different posts that we make. Um, all of our podcasts will be posted there as well and some other fun stuff. So uh, find our Facebook group on Facebook and join that if you like. Um, also, go check out our website directly at hauntinglivepodcast.com. 
On there, we have a lot of stuff on social media, so you can follow us on Facebook, our Facebook posts, our YouTube, directly from our website. You can also check out our great merch section that we have available, um, products that we sell through Haunted Eye Podcast, which are just products that we use in the field every day here for the paranormal stuff. So like crystals, cleansing materials, um, some handcraft bags, some, some feathers for smudging, smudging materials, stuff like that. So um, go check it out. We have some great items up there and a special right now for Christmas also if you want to check out our, our Christmas specials. So. And uh, today is actually the last day for that. Okay, well, go check out the website tonight if you want to get in on our Christmas special. Uh, it's, I believe, if you spend over $40, you get a special gift. So go check that out. Um, otherwise, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We had a great night. I think this went really well. And this will be our format from now on here at Haunting Live Podcast. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, everybody, have a great weekend, and we shall see you guys uh, next week right here on the show at Haunted Live Podcast. And don't forget to head over and check out our website. And also don't forget to uh, sign up for our mailing list as well. Uh, right on the main page of our website, about the middle of the page, is the sign up. Um, you guys will get a email notification once a month about upcoming guests and news happening here at Haunting Live. So thank you guys. We appreciate you following us on social media, sharing our podcast, and uh, look forward to bringing you many more guests well into the new year, into 2021. So have a great night, guys. Have a great evening, and take care. Did you hear that? Thanks for watching.